Hey, thanks for checking out Passionate Life Church. If you'd love to get to know us more, please visit us at passionatelifechurch.com. We're so glad that you've joined us. Get ready for an awesome message. All right. Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you that do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now. Hey, thank you for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. How you guys doing this morning? Good? Awesome. Uh, before we, we get into our series this morning, it is the first of the month, and the first of every month we take communion uh, together uh, as a community, and you probably got one of these this morning as you came in, just hold on to them or put it under your seat, just don't sit on it or step on it, okay? I will be transitioning us into communion during our response time. And so the only thing that we ask is that you are a believer, that you are a Christian. Uh, taking communion is for the believer, okay? And so I'm going to transition us right into communion. Listen, we don't do it out of religious obligation. We do it out of remembrance of what Jesus did for us some 2,000 years ago. Amen? Awesome. Come on, it's been three weeks since I've preached, and I am excited to preach today. Man, every time I, I, I get a break and I get to refresh, I realize how much I love pastoring this church and preaching and bringing the Word of God every single week. And man, I just, I just feel honored and a privilege that I, I get to do this. Fear. You can clap for that. <laughs> Fear Factory Part 4. And the reason why uh, I wanted to do a series on fear is because we are literally living in a day and age that fear is everywhere. Fear is on the TV, the radio, on the internet, everywhere. There's the spirit of fear everywhere we look. And I wanted to preach a message series to counter the spirit of free, fear. And so the first part, two parts of uh, the series, and if you missed them, I encourage you to go back online and watch them or, or listen to our podcast. We talked about the spirit of fear, and we talked about the spirit of intimidation in 2 Timothy. Let's go ahead and read the passage really quick. This is our launching scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. This is why I remind you, and remember, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And so the Apostle Paul is talking to his spiritual son. He said, son, remember when I laid my hands on you, you were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. So, so Timothy is dealing with the spirit, the spirit of fear that is coming against him. He says, but I've given you power, love, and self-discipline or self-control. And what we talked about in the first two parts of the series is that specifically the spirit of fear and timidity targets the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are in us, but also targets the directional voice of the Holy Spirit that God is trying to lead and guide us. The spirit of fear and timidity uh, attacks those. He tries to silence the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and try to, to get us to refrain from using the gifts that God has placed in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so today, part four, the specific subtitle of our series today is Fear is a Thief. Fear is a Thief. Come on, let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word today. Father, I thank you for this moment. Jesus, we just thank you that we can gather together and worship you freely. God, we just thank you for this country that we live in. God, we just lift up President Trump, Lord, that you would protect his life, lead and guide his life. Give him wisdom, Jesus. God, we lift up Jared Polis, our governor. God, we just pray that you would lead and guide his life, that you'd give him wisdom, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray for this moment, God, that this moment today isn't missed, that we just haven't come here and gathered together out of religious obligation, but we came here to transform our lives and our hearts. And so, God, we just pray right now that you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds to everything that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Let's jump right into it. Romans 12, 2. The Apostle Paul says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And so what is he meaning by world? And Jesus references this too when Jesus talks about being like the world. When the Apostle Paul talks about being like the world, what they're talking about is not being a Christian, not being a follower of Christ, not being a follower of God. They're talking about being in the world, not in Jesus. Okay, so that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's saying that the world has a way of doing things. The world has a certain mindset. The world has a certain way of dealing with stress, right, and panic and pandemics. The world has a certain way of dealing with it. And so the Apostle Paul says this, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. As followers of of Christ, we should think differently. As followers of Jesus, we should have a different perspective and a different outlook in every situation. Paul says the world looks at the different situations and stress a certain way. But Paul is saying now that God is in us and transformed us, we should think differently. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. How important is it that we think the way the Holy Spirit wants us to think? It is so important that we can actually get off track if we're not aligned with God's will for our lives. If we're not aligned with the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to think, we can get off track. The world wants to keep us thinking and living a certain way. Listen, we're, we're living in a time where we are, we are moving towards uh, more progressive living. Uh, you, you know, we live in a very progressive, a, a very godless city, and we are moving more and more towards that uh, every single day, every single week. And as the church, we need to be ready to say, no, 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 no. That's not the way. That's not what the Bible says. That's not the way I think. And I remember what the spirit of fear and timidity is trying to do. It's trying to silence our voices. We're living in a day and age that a, uh, a Christian conservative voice is countercultural to everything that is going on. Psalms. I want to talk about David for a moment. Psalms. You can go ahead and put the scripture up. Psalms 56, 2 through 4. 
If anybody knew about the spirit of fear, it was David. David, as he's writing this passage, is literally being chased down by someone who is possessed by the spirit of fear. Saul was possessed by the spirit of fear to the point where uh, it even says in Scripture that, that he is being messed by spirits. Demonic spirits are messing with Saul's mind, and he actually hires David to play the harp for him. And it's literally the only thing. Worship music is the only thing that keeps the spirit of fear at bay. And that's one of the reasons why we start our services out with worship, right? Because when we come and we worship, what it does is it puts the demonic spirits at bay. And that's what David is talking about in this passage. And so if anybody knows about David, if anybody knows about the spirit of fear, it's David. He was being chased down by someone who was possessed by the spirit of fear. Let's read it. He says, I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I want to go back to, it's actually verse 3. But when I am afraid, not if I'm going to be afraid, he, he specifically says when, okay? We cannot avoid being afraid. We can't avoid fear in our lives. We can't avoid it. That's what David says. But when fear comes into our life, how are we going to handle it? That's the differentiator. How are we going to handle when the spirit of, because man, we're going to be afraid. The spirit is going to, Come, are we going to trust God in that area or are we going to give in to fear? And what I've found in my own life, what I've found in my own life is that the areas that I still struggle with fear, those areas of my life where uh, they bring me anxiety and, and panic, okay, I've realized that those are the areas of my life that I haven't fully given to God. I haven't fully trusted God in those areas. Let me give you an example. I used to love to fly. I used to love, I loved, I used to love, when I was younger, I used to love the whole, Everything about traveling, I love the airport experience, okay? I love being in the airport. I love going into the little shops and getting my Starbucks coffee and buying candy and, and getting a magazine and just being on the airplane and, and just, you know, looking out the window and seeing how high we are. Like, just the whole, like, I used to love flying, the whole experience. And then I had kids, Not just are they crazy on an airplane, but um, when I was flying, when I would fly alone, when I would fly alone, or it was just me and Don flying, and they would be separated, all of a sudden, this overwhelming feel, feeling of anxiety and stress would over 
overcome me as I'm getting on an airplane. You know, I, I'm checking, I'm looking at the, the pilot, making sure that they're not drunk, you know, checking to see if they're hungover. I'm walking down the aisle, looking to see who could be a terrorist and if I can take them, you know what I'm saying? Like, just like my mind, just all of a sudden, and, 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 you know, I'm like, God, what is this? And deep down, I hadn't fully trusted the Lord with my children because I had a deep-rooted fear in my heart that my kids would grow up without a dad, that, that the plane would hit a mountain or crash or something would happen and they would grow up without a dad. And, and I never had felt this feeling before of just anxiety and, and, you know, I didn't have any control over it, right? And I really had to give it to Jesus. And one of the things that I want to encourage you to do today, man, many of us today, we have some deep-rooted fears that we've never fully trusted God with. Because every time that subject comes up, all of a sudden we get stressed out, we start to feel anxious. And I want to encourage you today, write that fear down on a piece of paper during our response time and stick it to the cross. It's just a symbol of saying, God, I haven't trusted you fully in this area, but today's the day where I'm going to fully trust you with this fear that I've had deep down in my heart. So for the rest of our time this morning, I want to talk about what the book of Hebrews, uh, one of the characters in the Bible that the book of Hebrews says is a giant of the faith. And his name is Abraham. And Abraham was a giant of the faith. But what I love about the Bible, this is what I love so much about the Bible, is the Bible has all types of different people, all types of different characters in the Bible that are screwed up, that have issues, right? Like, like if, if someone was going to create a, a, a religion, you wouldn't put all of these different people in the Bible that had so many different problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, you would just write a book that was just filled with blessing and promise and, and all of these great things, right? And, and, and instead, the Bible is filled with real people that had real issues and real problems and had to can constantly give them to the Lord. And so today, I specifically want to hone in on the spirit of fear and fear as a thief. Fear is trying to steal things from our lives. And today is a monumental day because I got points. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I got four points today, four things that the spirit of fear can steal when we let it stay in our lives. So the story of Abraham, it starts in verse or chapter 12 of Genesis, but it really starts in chapter 11, okay? And what's very interesting about Abraham, and we're gonna go through this, is that he struggled with complete obedience, okay? He, he liked to do this thing that many of us like to do, partial obedience, right? There's things in our life that are really easy, that, that, that we can obey God's scriptures really easy in, and it's not hard. And then there's those scriptures that are really difficult for us, and we kind of ignore sometimes, right? And, and there's this partial obedience going on, and Abraham had that issue too. And so his story actually starts in Genesis 
11, God tells him to leave his family and go to a, just go. He just tells Abraham to go. And Abraham takes his dad with him. God did not instruct him to take his dad, but he takes his dad with him. I'm guessing because there was just a little fear there. Daddy was his security blanket, and, 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 and so he needed his dad. And at the end of chapter 11, I believe it's around verse 30, it's titled, The Wasted Years. And this is my first point. Fear steals time. Fear steals time. When we allow fear to stay in our life, fear will steal time from us. And it stole time from Abraham. Abraham literally could not align himself with God's promises and his will for his life until daddy died. His dad had to die before he could move on in the purpose and the plan that God had for him. And I think of my own life and I think of our own lives today. What needs to die today so we can align ourselves with God's perfect will for our lives? Because there could be something, there could be an issue, a habitual habit or an addiction or a person in our lives that, man, we need to get rid of so we can align ourselves with God's will. That's what happened in Abraham's life. Abraham's, Abraham's journey and, and, and the path of the promise didn't start until his dad died in Genesis chapter 11. And so I look at my life and I see wasted years in my own life, right? I think we can all look at our own lives and see wasted time, right? And here's the thing about time. We can't get time back. The only thing we can do is make this moment matter, this time matter today. My, uh, my grandfather, uh, Stanley Thurber, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me talk about him. He's the one that flatlined on a table. He had a heart attack. He died. He went to heaven for like five or six minutes. They don't really know. And then they shocked him back with the defibrillator, and he came back to life, and he told the doctor, don't ever do that again, you know. And, and uh, he was just an awesome man of God. Last week, he actually passed away uh, late Thursday night at 87 years old. And so this week, I've just been pondering his life. And he passed through the same church for 41 years and uh, just a giant of the faith. And I look at his life and he was a life that now he didn't waste any years. He didn't waste any time. I mean, he was reaching people for Jesus all the way up until he died last week. And man, I, I, I hope to fall in his shoes, to walk in his shoes, right? And, and just, man, Every moment matters. We can't get time back. Let's stop wasting time in our lives and get rid of the stuff that's holding us back. Do it today. Get aligned with God's will for your life and his purpose and his promises because it's the best way to live. Let's continue with the story, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your nation, country, relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be, blessed. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Like, 
What an awesome moment, right? Like, like if the Lord came to you and said these things to you, you'd be like, awesome. Like, like I'm on board with that, right? Like to be a blessing, to make me fit. Yeah, God, this is awesome. Like what an awesome promise that God gives Abraham. Let's continue the story. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Okay, again. Abram or Abraham has issues with partial obedience. God did not tell him to take nephew Lot, okay? And, and, and many times the reason why God gives us such specific instructions is because they're going to cause problems later. If we don't fully trust God in every area of our life, you see, Lot was going to cause problems later for Abram. But he took him anyways. And, and here we see just, just an underlining fear of, I don't know, like, like being alone or, man, he wanting to try and save Lot too, you know? And so here we see Abram's issues. Abram was 75 years old. And when he left Haran, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. And so here we see uh, he takes all of his wealth, right? He, he begins to move and, 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 and to the place where God has called him to be. Let's continue the story. Verse 7 through 9. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. Then he built another altar, dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued to travel, traveling south by stages toward Negev. Okay, so... Man, he's moving toward, right? Like he's, he's following the will of God and the promises, the blessings of God. And he sets up camp in this place, right? And he builds an altar. The, law, the Lord meets him there and he builds, builds this, this altar. And basically what an altar is, it's a monument to where God met Abram. And so he wants to remember this moment. Every time he sees this altar, he's going to be reminded what God did for him and when God spoke to him about the blessing and the promise. And so he builds two. And in this moment, man, he's like worshiping God. Man, he, he's praising God in this moment. And that's something for us to understand today. Man, God wants us to create monuments in our life. Man, when, when things come, when the spirit of fear comes, and intimidation comes, that we would worship through these difficult times. You see, he sets up altars. He, he sets up these monuments to remind him that God is good. And I'm telling you, this is what the church is. The church is this beacon. It's this reminder. When we come and we gather together and we look around and we realize that we're not alone, that, man, I can do this, that I'm not alone, that I can go out and share the love of Jesus with people, and then I can come on Sunday and gather together and worship God and have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and know that I'm not alone. 
You see, that word Bethel in Hebrew actually means the Father's house. He, he was creating monuments to the Father's house to, to remember where God had met him and what God had spoken to him. Genesis 12, verse 10. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived there as a foreigner. Have you ever had God speak something to you? You knew it was God, right? Maybe it was to change careers or take a different position at your workplace or date somebody or marry somebody or have kids. You know, whatever decision is, you just knew, man, God, you, you called me to do this. Like, you're, you're, you're calling me. I know this is the Lord. And did it not work out how you think it should work out? I didn't know marriage was going to be hard. Like, I just thought it was. I didn't know kids, I didn't know having kids was like this, right? Like, I didn't know that this job was going to come with this responsibility. And, man, Abram, he got a word from the Lord, right, to go to this place. And he's worshiping God. He's setting up monuments. And all of a sudden, a famine comes into the land. You ever have that experience where, man, God's calling you and asking you to do something, and all of a sudden, it's not what you think it should have been. That's what Abraham is experiencing here. It's like, God, um, I thought I was supposed to be a blessing. I, I thought I was supposed to be famous. Like, I, thought, I thought, you know, whoever comes against me, you know, you're going to curse them. And I'm, I, I thought that this was the promise that you were going to. Many times God tests us in our lives. He wants to see if we're fully invested in him and fully trusted in him. And what Abram does is he goes to Egypt. Now, I want you to understand, I mean, we've seen this in Scripture with, with Abraham, is that God, literally, Scripture tells us when God speaks to him, the Lord spoke to Abraham, whether it's in, through angels or God speaks to him directly, in verse 10, God did not tell Abram to go to Egypt. That is not his instruction. God does not instruct Abraham to go to Egypt. Egypt in this passage represents the world. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of the world. Do not conform to the way the world does things. And here we see Abram, like God has brought him to this place. He's worshiping God. God has spoken a promise to him. And the moment things get hard, what does he do? He goes to the world. He, he goes back and, and, and he wants to rely on, on his, his own strength and, and his own money. I want to show you in Isaiah 31.1. What Isaiah is talking about when he talks about Egypt here. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. 
And so anytime you see in Scripture that, man, someone's going to Egypt, specifically here, Abraham, he's going, he's turning to the world's way to fix his problems. He's like, man, maybe I'll just go and, and buy some grain there. We'll, we'll ride out the famine in Egypt. Instead of saying, man, I'm just going to dig down my roots deep. I'm going to stay here. This is the promise. This is where the whip net, God's will is for my life. And we're going to figure out together, Lord. Instead, he runs the world. But how many times do we do this in our own life? And Pastor Mike talked about it last week, is that man, many times God is the last source right? He, he's usually the last source we go to after we, we, we try to do it on our own strength or we throw money at it. Many times God is the last source when he needs to be the first source we turn to. So point number two today, fear steals our common sense. Fear steals our common sense. And you're going to see this in this next passage. Let's continue to read it. Verse 11 through 13, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, and I know, listen, I know that Abram does not have a conversation with Sarah before this moment, right? He does not tell her the plan. That's like typical dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not telling the plan. He's thought about the plan in his idea. He's not telling the wifey the plan. And I could see about a minute, right? They're about a minute out approaching Egypt. And he turns to Sarah, um, <clears throat> I got a plan, honey. Look, you're a very beautiful woman. Oh, thank you. Thank you, honey. You think I'm pretty? Yes, you're beautiful. Thank you. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And like, she literally has no time to say anything because they're like right there. My sister, she's like, when we allow the spirit of fear to hang around our, our thoughts and our minds, it steals the wisdom of God. It steals our common sense. Because... Look, in this moment, Abraham cares only about himself. He doesn't care about his wife. He said, good luck, honey. You'll be fine. Right? Like, like this is what the spirit of fear does. It removes the wisdom of God, and, and it removes logic and reason that God has given us in our brain. Right? Like, like, this was not God's plan for their life. Point number three, fear steals our integrity. Abram was called to lead and protect his wife. He just loses all integrity by giving his wife to the Egyptians. Listen, if there is a job, if there is a place that you're going to go to, if there's someone you're dating, that you have to lose your integrity to be with that person, 
to go to this place, to work at this job. That is not the job. That is not the person. That is not the place you should be at. If you have to lose your integrity of who you are, who God has created you to be, if you have to give that up, then you shouldn't be there. That is a red flag. You shouldn't be dating that person. You shouldn't be in that place. If you have to give up your integrity as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, of trying to, to reach, go towards holiness in your life, if that place that you're going to go is, to, is going to be attacking your integrity, then you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't date that person. You shouldn't marry that person. You shouldn't take that job. If you have to give up your integrity, and here we see Abraham has to give up his integrity. He has to lie to not be killed. Let's continue the story, Genesis 12, 14 through 16. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, which is important to know, and camels. Okay, so he gives them all of these gifts because of Sarah's beauty. Let's continue. Verse 17 through 20. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Now, okay, we're, we're happy. Okay, why did you say she's my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get her out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and set Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So, man, here's this interaction with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's ticked off, right? He's, he's mad at Abram for doing this, to lying to him. A plague comes on his people, it's making them sick, right? And point number four, what fear does, fear steals our testimony. No longer will Abram be able to go to Pharaoh after this point and witness God's power to him. He's blown his witness. He's burnt that bridge up. Why? Because he lied to him. He lost his integrity in this in this moment. And that's what the spirit of fear wants to do. The spirit of fear wants to destroy our Christian witnesses to the world. He wants to burn that bridge down between us and the world, that bridge of Jesus, that path of Jesus. And if I could add a fifth point today, it would be that fear can steal our future. You know that servant that was brought back from, from Egypt? One of those servants, her name was Hagar. And she becomes a big problem later on. You see, when we, we end up in places that we're not supposed to be and that, that, that are outside of the will of God, maybe they won't hurt us today. Maybe they won't hurt us tomorrow. Maybe not giving God fully and trusting God in, in areas of our life won't matter today, but someday it will come back and get us. And we see this in the story of Abraham and Sarah. But because Hagar is there, 
Sarah gives Hagar over to Abraham to try and fulfill God's promise. And, and when we try to fulfill God's promise on our own strength, it doesn't work out. Fast forward in this story, because this is about fear and trust, right? This is about fear and trust and giving God, oh, giving God all of our fears and trusting him fully. We see Isaac, the promised son, God says, I want you to kill him. I want you to take him up on a mountain, put him on an altar, and I want you to kill him. And this moment between Abraham and God, we see that, that Abraham doesn't hesitate in this moment. He has learned from his past experience of delayed obedience. And he immediately he says he got up the next day, took his son up to the mountain, and he's laying his son on this altar, and he has a knife hanging over him. And in this moment, Abraham is at this point that God wants us all to get at this point where we're willing to give up anything and everything to follow him, that nothing would be in between us and the Father. He's willing to kill his most prized possession, the promise. And if you know the story, God provides a ram. He says, Abraham, don't, don't kill your son. I know where your heart is now. And he provides for him. Listen, we all have those areas in our life that when they come up, we just automatically feel stressed. We get anxious about them. Man, those are the areas that we need to turn over to God today. We need to turn those areas. We need to fully trust God in those areas because he's got a great hope and a future. Man, he's got a promise. He's got blessings he wants us to walk in. Man, his will is perfect and pleasing. That's what I want to sign up for. That's what I want to encourage you to sign up for today. But it only happens when we fully trust God in every area of our lives. Well, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say this morning, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I, I need to make that decision. I've never done it. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth and you just need to make a recommitment to trusting God with your life today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I, I want to pray with you. If you're online, man, slip up your hand too. I want to pray with you. Yes, you can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask that we'd all repeat this prayer this morning as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will fully trust you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing. Thank you so much for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. If you'd like more information, you can email us at passionatelifechurch at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, or share this with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.